Welcome everyone to the Freaking Awesome Podcast. This is episode 29. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> let's kill that bass head. Alright, let's do this. I'm on the air, we on the air, we got this pockets flow. It's me and Tony on the mics, we gotta let you know. Of current events, little gaming, sprinkling some entertainment. We stay humble, but our mom still thinks we're famous. Turn up the bass and baby, maybe let that magic flow. Our spoken word is all the things you you really want to know having a good time on the show t bows and maddie g tune in and hit subscribe and join us on the fap welcome back everyone to the freaking awesome podcast i'm your host anthony bows maddie g is still away recouping from his surgery uh today's guest and co-host if you will is a professional writer in print media radio public relations, and on, on online agencies nowadays. He's a talented photographer and wrote the book The Fine Art of Boxing, No Stooge in the Ring. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jeff Dale. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. It's great to be with you. It's snowing here, so I hope it's nice down there. Yeah, we've had a little bit of snow today, but not too, too bad. So uh, we're, we're still sitting pretty, I'm sure, compared to most people. Uh, That's and, good to hear. And speaking of weather, let's jump into the news. Uh, we, we picked up a, a couple of fun ones, and, and one of them is uh, good old Florida, one of our favorite places to get news. It's kind of like the, the black hole of weird things. Uh, the article reads, Florida man arrested for having 78 pounds of meth in his van. Uh, so a, a Florida man was pulled over for speeding on the I-90 in south-central Montana as he was arrested after 78 pounds of meth was found in his van. Nicholas Imhoff, 29, was arrested on February 11th uh, after authorities had said the trooper had found 78 pounds of methamphetamine in his rental minivan during a traffic stop near Columbus. Imhoff was uh, driving a minivan that he had rented in Las Vegas five days earlier, and according to the court records, Imhoff had said he was driving to North Dakota, but the trooper said Imhoff couldn't provide an address and that his story seemed a little inconsistent and he was acting nervously. The trooper seized the van, and officials obtained a search warrant. The drugs were found under the floor storage compartments and garbage bags with, uh, that were wrapped in duct tape. The seizure was, seizure was by far the largest amount of meth that they had seen in a single track fix stop, beating 2017 seizure of 68 pounds of meth. That's a lot of meth. <laughs> that. That's just startling. That gives a whole, whole new meaning to the words... Um speeding driving you know dri- driving too fast <laughs> word speed in there somewhere i think yeah Amazing. For sure. <laughs> the um you know i so i see a lot of these articles and and i'm really amazed by the amount of uh drugs that are trafficked down in, in the u.s and it's not to say that we don't have it up here in canada but um people seem to be get, getting caught a lot more i mean if i was driving a man a van that was packed full of meth let me tell you i'd be driving the speed limit i'm not in a rush to get anywhere because that's the First thing they're going to do is pull over someone speeding. Mm-hmm, exactly. I, I think this gentleman may end up. I believe it was either a show or at least a regular news item about the world's stupidest criminals, and he may be having a starring role in that show. He's definitely so, going to be up there. I mean, it's my. You might as well just spray paint it on the side of the van. Drugs inside. Yes, exactly. You know that that is. 
That's not well planned. Let's put it that way. I, I think I would have done it a lot differently. Yep. <laughs> or not at all, actually. I think that's what I would have done. <laughs> that keeps you <laughs> unincriminated right there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it actually would be really funny to do a, a show based on uh, people's stupid criminals and, and then turn around and say, how would you do it? <laughs> exactly, yes. Just give, give them ideas or they could sort of just float out a few thoughts and the criminals would be writing, taking notes or or taping the show and saying, okay, that's what I did wrong the last time. <laughs> I wonder if they actually pulled it off and they got arrested. Would you be considered an accessory? Oh, that's a good point. Yes. Um, hmm, an accessory before the fact, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think that would be the correct terminology. So, yeah, well, do scratch that entire idea. I'm not going to give them any ideas whatsoever. <laughs> not that I have <laughs> the, um The other thing that kind of got me is I'm, I'm always astounded by – the, the handling of drugs in a lot of these cases. Like, you'll see them in garbage bags or plastic bags, and I'm thinking, nobody, like, people ingest this stuff. Like, I know it's a drug, and, and, and generally people don't care if they get onto, like, if they're really hooked on drugs, but let's have some sanitation here. Like, really, just shoved in a garbage bag and then wrapped in duct tape? Have you ever smelled something wrapped in duct tape? It, it keeps that smell forever. Yes, very bad. Duct tape. Isn't Red Green famous for duct tape? Yeah, that Uh, was his thing. Handyman's secret weapon. Yeah, I I don't want to incriminate uh, poor old Red, but uh, no, that that is quite disgusting. You know, put it in something nice and clean, you know, a a sanitary kind of a container, which with some air freshener, you know, something nice. (laughs) uh, No, 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 that's not it. <laughs> be like the potpourri of drug drug dealers. <laughs> Absolutely, it smells yeah. nice and it is nice <laughs> for sure. Uh, the next article we go into the headline was sausage vending machines booming in Germany. I, I didn't even know this was a thing, so I was really interested when I saw this article. Um, yeah, hungry Germans craving a sausage in the dead of night are increasingly turning to vending machines for their bratwurst bratwurst. And barbecued meats. The machines are booming outside German cities where shops are less likely to stay open for long hours, especially in structurally weak rural areas. There's a strong development towards vending machines, which is used to deliver meat, milk, eggs, and other produce to customers outside the core opening times. Some butchers' vending machines sell three or four types of sausages and contains uh, containers of potato salad. So customers can buy all they need for a hearty, traditional German feast. Uh, some other machines stock eggs, milk, butter, fruits, vegetables, so all the, uh, the kitchen essentials are available at any time of day. Apparently, there are over 570,000 vending machines in Germany, but despite their popularity, they're expected to be to complement rather than replace traditional shops and operatings in areas where a shop may not be economically viable. Uh, in the international imagination, uh, us- unusual vending machines have a long uh, association with Japan, where they've been known to selling everything from sake to used underwear. Um, yeah. So let, let's. So have you ever have you ever gone to a uh, a truck stop and and purchased a sandwich? Um. Not that I can recall, to be honest. It, it's a dark hour. Sometimes it happens to me. <laughs> but in in my youth, it happened. When you're driving long distances and, and all you end up getting to is one of those weird truck stops where it's like candy bars, chips, and the occasional sandwich vending machine. I, I have done it. Uh, they're not good. 
And I would generally sometimes wonder if when I got sick later down the road, if it all came back to that weird sandwich I bought. Yes. Now, I have an additional problem, too, when I have a little bit of a fit for something to eat. I'm a vegetarian, mm. and I, I'm going to wonder to myself, now, how long has that, that that tomato been there? And that lettuce looks awfully limp. It looks like it might have been there all the, maybe last year's harvest. So I, <laughs> I tend to avoid stuff like that, like Around the plague. Tomato. And I use the word plague, uh, actually, quite selectively here. <laughs> The so when I see uh, so let's before we get into the meat section of that let, let's talk about vegeta- vegetables in vending machines. When you mm-hmm. go to the grocery store and you hit up a produce area, they're generally misted, they're chilled. Um, that's that's probably the best way to to keep them crisp. And and even then, it's got a very short shelf life. Like you're lucky if you might get a week before something starts deteriorating, um, and that's under those best conditions. So. What is this vending machine doing that would keep the produce semi-fresh? Like, does it have a, a way of misting it that doesn't damage the internal components? Or, I would imagine they must be refrigerated. I, I would hope so. There has to be some sort of method of keeping it fresh. I, I, I don't know. Does meth keep these things fresh? Maybe that other gentleman <laughs> yeah. could get this with this guy. And you could see if meth keeps vegetables fresh, and they could have a whole new uh, career. <laughs> Maybe that's where he was off. He was rushing I off to. I think I'm going to try that though, because I really don't want to be a drug-addled vegetarian. Yeah, <laughs> makes me think of the Simpsons, where they they created the tobacco-infused tomato, the tomaco. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, and then of course, when I see this, I mean, I I love. Uh, generally a lot of the German meats that are out there. And uh, I don't think I would buy from a vending machine. Like, I I don't think there's any way that you can create that vending machine that A, keeps it fresh, and B, doesn't allow some form of insect or bug getting up into that machine at some point. Yes, uh, that sounds, the bug would be, uh, they probably say to you, well, no, that's an extra treat. You know, if you've got a bug, that's wonderful. Pure protein. Something like when, I believe it was an old television show, uh, Faulty Towers, uh, the gentleman uh, called the waitress over and said, lady, there, there's, there's a fly in my soup. And she said, quiet, quiet. Don't tell him. Everyone will want one now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to be a big Faulty Towers fan. Uh, oh, good, old, good old John Cleese. <laughs> um, wonderful. So that that's all we had for the news today. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about you today, Jeff. Okay, well, that's uh, that's quite a come down talking about me after those wonderful news items. Uh, <laughs> Game. So uh, let's talk about your new book. Yes. Now the, the book actually isn't out yet. It's uh, we're, we're the publisher and I are sort of aiming towards the end of this year, pro- possibly for the Christmas season, and that's that's sort of a goal. After three and a half years of researching Shemp Howard, you know, I'd finally like to put this to bed and say it's here finally. Mm-hmm. So for our listeners out there who uh, might be out of out of my age range or or even out of yours, um, Shemp Howard, of course, one of the Three Stooges, uh, if, if anything, arguably one of the more popular of the Three Stooges. I know it was a very uh, kind of a big battle between him and Curly, and uh, which was kind of ironic considering they were both brothers. Yes, well, there was actually three brothers. Um, that was Mo Curley and uh, and Shemp. Yep. And uh, there's in fact uh, the the family, the Howards, which was originally the Horowitzes. Okay. There was five brothers. Uh, the two elderly brothers were um, Irving and Jack. They became insurance uh, agents. And of oh. course, Shemp. Shemp was the middle, so he was older than both 
Curly and Mo. Mm-hmm. Curly was the baby of the group, actually. Okay. And so two of the Stooges, in fact, were Howards at some, at some point. You know, yeah. it was always Howards at, in the beginning. And uh, Shemp, actually, was the, the... The group was formed back in, um, well, the early, early to mid-20s by a comedian by the name of Ted Healy. He needed some Stooges to sort of, you know, act with him on, in, in vaudeville on stage and such. And so he had known Mo from a very early age, and um, so they started to do some things together. And Shemp was was uh, next along, and Shemp actually became sort of the go-to Stooge. And at this point, of course, they weren't called the Three Stooges. There's a variety of different names they they went under for uh, for a period of time. Anything from um, I'm trying to think of some of the names now. It's uh, it's escaping me. But anyway, uh, in fact, at one point they went to Howard Fine and Howard when they were sort of on their own for a while. But uh, Shemp essentially left in about, um, I'd say, about uh, 32. And um, he decided to go solo. And so, of course, his brother, younger brother, Curly, took over his place. Mm-hmm. And um, so there was some interesting history prior to the the sort of formation of the the best-known trio, I guess, would have been Curly, Larry, Moe. Yep. But, of course, the history shows that Shemp, in fact, was there originally. So and, it, and it he, very interesting. He performed in, in more episodes, though, than Curly, didn't he? No, actually. I, I believe Curly was in more. No, he did do more. Okay. Because I, I know Shemp came back after Curly fell ill, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had suffered a series of strokes. And he was quite young, uh, because when he did eventually die in 52, he was only 48 years old. Oh, wow. Um, The funny thing is, with Shemp, in total, of all the different movies he was in, and we're talking solo efforts along the way, he was in about 105 movies. We're talking feature films and and shorts and that, whereas Curly, I'm not sure the exact number. I I believe Shemp's number of stooge shorts would have been in the range of about 70-ish. Um, so very, very sad way to, to take over, obviously, but, uh, and it was supposed to be on a temporary basis because they were, they were feeling fairly strongly that, uh, that Curly would recuperate, mm-hmm. but sadly he didn't. So Shemp returned permanently. And again, sadly, unfortunately, uh, Shemp passed away in 1955. So his time with the Stooges in that frame was from about 47 to 55 and he died at the age of 60. So those wow. those two didn't really last that long. Yeah, definitely short short stints when you think about it. Yeah. Um, I think uh, when you were speaking that he also did a lot of major or, or major, yeah, major uh, pictures and films. Um, did, <laughs> I don't know if I read somewhere, but uh, uh, he had, uh, I don't know if it was self-proclaimed the, the ugliest man in Hollywood. Ah, uh, yes. That's an interesting, that was, of course, a promotional idea thought up by his... Um, his manager and, and PR people, and there were several, you know, during his uh, his career. So I'm not exactly sure which one it was, but anyway, they thought, well, this this would be a good gimmick to sort of, you know, get you a little more attention. Mm-hmm. So they basically staged this competition. They got a couple of actor friends, and they had a trophy, and he was awarded the uh, trophy of the ugliest man in Hollywood. <laughs> now that worked very nicely because that sort of segued into a film he was going to appear in, uh, believe it or not, starring none other than John Wayne and Marlena Dietrich and Randolph Scott. Oh, wow. So along with that, for this 1942 film, they said, and also 
featuring the ugliest man in Hollywood. So great bit of PR. And he used to, he used to sort of, you know, um, play on that a lot. You know I mean? I don't personally think he was particularly ugly. I, I didn't think a, so. No. I mean, he had a very pliable face. He could sort of, you know, move it around and look the way he wanted. But I, I certainly don't think it hurt the movie Pittsburgh. No. And uh, he had a nice little, nice little bit in it. It wasn't just a sort of a walk-on. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, Shemp, or I should say, one of uh, the neighbors of Shemp, in fact, was uh, the John Wayne family, just in that little area in, in, uh, in the Hollywood area, Los Angeles, I should say. Oh, wow. So yeah, I, I would think nowadays it might be someone like Danny Trejo or something might be the ugliest man in Hollywood, uh, although he's a fantastic actor. Right. Yeah. He... Um, he appeared in a lot of others, too. I mean, it's very curious. Now, just to, for a little bit of a laugh, in, in the very early days when he was uh, with the Vitaphone Company, which was a wing of Columbia, mm-hmm. um, he appeared with um, Jack Haley, who was soon to become the um, the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. Okay. He also appeared with Burt Lahr in a, um, a film, which is a solo short, 17-minute short called Henry the Ache. And that's uh, not eight, it's A-C-H-E. Hmm. And he appeared with a number of very well people, and and this is maybe one of the most interesting. In 1934, uh, an unknown actor by the name of James Stewart, or Jimmy Stewart, whatever you want to call him, had an uncredited role in a Shem Howard feature short called Art Trouble. So that's how Jimmy Stewart got his, his first break in film, and it was an uncredited role. So if you can imagine... Uh, a rather tall, sort of young, uh, fit man like Jimmy Stewart, trading fists, uh, little fisticuffs with a, about a five foot six Champ Howard. <laughs> Just picture that, and that was that was a scene in this particular short. Hysterically funny. That is funny. Wow. Um, speaking of, of of funny, like uh, so, I was I was doing a little looking in and uh, into Champ uh, at one point, and uh, I was really interested to find out that. Uh, his name actually wasn't Shemp, but no. it was, I think his name was Sean? No, actually, his name, his uh, Anglis, well, he was born as uh, Samuel Horowitz. Sam, that's right. And, but, of course, you know, all the Horowitzes, they, they, were, uh, they were Jewish. They, yep. the, the, the mother and father, um, let me see, that was, um, oh, boy, oh, boy, I should have their names uh, right at the top of my head here. Saul and uh, Janine. They were uh, from the old country, Russia, Lithuania. And um, the brothers, they were all Horowitzes. Uh, Sam, Samuel, actually, is the anglicized name for his Jewish name, which was Shmuel, uh, which is his, which his grandfather's name. So that was anglicized to Samuel. And how Shem came about was whenever his mom would be calling him for something, for dinner, or to come into the house, or whatever, she'd yell out Sam, but it sounded like Shemp. And so all his friends and his brothers and that said, oh, Shemp, that's a great name. So there, without her ever imagining this, she eventually, well, she just on the spot gave the name of a stooge right there, Shemp. Shemp. And that's, that's what it was. Whereas <laughs> Mo, uh, his middle name was Moses. Mm-hmm. So Moe's easily to anglicize. But Shemp, that's a... Very inventive of his mother, even if she didn't know what she was doing at the time with that yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would imagine with, with that many brothers that it, there was probably some teasing in there, that, and, and it eventually just stuck, and the mom was like, yeah, that, that works. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. He, he probably saw. I mean, you know, he, um, I mean, later it, it worked beautifully. I mean, Curly, I mean, his name is Jerome. Mm-hmm. And Curly was actually quite a ladies' man. He had long, wavy uh, auburn hair and this beautiful handlebar mustache. And uh, he was a very good dancer. So I think having to dress up a lot differently for poor old Curly was, you know, a little a little bit of sadness there because, like I said, he loved to party and loved to dance. Yeah. But Shemp, one of the things I when I talked to his relatives, the surviving relatives, uh, his two granddaughters and the uh, his um, daughter-in-law, uh, Shemp's um, daughter-in-law, mm-hmm. um, is that Shemp's main goal in life just seemed to be to make people laugh, and he did that in abundance. Oh yeah, I definitely. Uh... It, it, you know, even if people um, have never seen the Three Stooges, if, if they jump online to YouTube or something like that, you can see uh, some compilations of Shemp's funniest moments, and they're they're really good. And it was yeah. a different it was a different time period for humor. Um, it's not kind of like what it is now, um, but still, nonetheless, I, I can definitely sit down with some of the old uh, flicks and listen, I watch them, and. Um, they're just wonderful. They're really, really well done. Um, you know, acting sometime almost seemed a little bit over the top, which was, uh, I, I'm sure, a segue in, in a, for for people uh, like Jim Carrey, who who were very explicit and, and kind of rubbery and um, uh, yes. quite animated. Yeah, I, I I think, and I haven't been able to reach Jim Carrey, and I'd love to if he's listening right, right now. Uh, I think Jim Carrey, in part, owes a lot of his um, career to the Three Stooges. I mean, and that's not an insult. That's that's a compliment. Oh, for sure. I think comedians of that caliber who do a lot of physical humor, I, I see absolutely no reason why they wouldn't be watching the Three Stooges when they mm-hmm. grew up. I just love to know what some of them, and that's part of what the book is about, by the way. It's not just a biography. It's an appreciation. I've I've gone all over creation uh, in the entertainment business, looking for people in the business today who love Shemp, not just the Stooges, but Shemp. And I found some, quite a few of them. And um, it, that's that's been part of the fun about doing this, is finding out that people like, uh, you know, the comedic magic uh, troupe, um, or should say duo, Penn and Teller. Yep. Uh, Penn, Penn Gillette is a big fan of Shemp's. Loves him. Yep. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, oh, yeah. He loves, loves Shemp. You know, wonderful. Mm-hmm. All kinds of people. Uh, some up-and-coming comedians that you wouldn't think of, um, knowing not only the Three Stooges, but they like Shemp, too. So it's it's amazing. You, you think about it, when they were created or started the, the original uh, embryonic uh, trio or, or form of the trio, which started back in the, the 1920s, well, we're into the 20s now. We're getting into the 20s. That's almost 100 years, yep. and they're still popular. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because we normally have a, a lot of musical guests on our show, and uh, I was just talking with uh, Sass Jordan not too long ago uh, mm-hmm. as she was uh, often influenced by uh, David Bowie, and uh, she just came off the David Bowie uh, tribute tour and uh, just just seeing a lot of other artists that were influenced by his style. So um, for, for acting and comedy, it's the same way, right? It goes to... Uh, the Three Stooges were were trendsetters or pioneers of a lot of the, the comedy industry when they started these things. So uh, it's wonderful to to see a lot of the comedians today uh, or actors today that that perform in comedies, and uh, they they still would accept a nod to saying, "Yeah, I, I grew up watching these." 
Right. Uh, the interesting thing is, too, and this is something that I knew already, thankfully, and I just had to seek these films out, is most people know Shemp largely as a comedic actor, which he is. But if I were to throw some names of films out to you right off the top of my head right now, uh, Millionaires in Prison, Convention Girl, Behind Prison Gates, Flame of New Orleans. In these films, he, he, was, uh, he, he played a cop in one film, mm-hmm. The Strange Case of Dr. Rx. And in the other films, he was caught up well, in a few, in many, where he was a thug. In one particular film, Convention Girl, he played this nasty little guy who uh, not only was he an embezzler, but he also tried to murder his partner by shooting him. So he had some sort of, uh, not many, but he had a few um, uh, dramatic turns. So so picture Shemp as a blackmailer and a murderer and an embezzler. Um, And if you want to do that, for anyone out there, after, after my book comes out, grab the independently produced Convention Girl. Not a terribly good film, but I'll tell you, every time Shem comes on, you look at it and say, wow, that's amazing. That's Shem Howard. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he was the bartender, by the way, in the bank dick with um, W.C. Fields. Wow. So, you know, he's, he's been everywhere and he's done a lot of things that people would never have sort of figured would have been done by someone known as a stooge. Mm-hmm. And really shows him as, as quite versatile as an actor when, when you would have never thought. I mean, a lot of people would see him and he's kind of typecast now as, as that comedian stooge and uh it's great i always love when i see actors break out of out of the norm and uh and kind of really show their talents it almost makes you a little sad in retrospective um view that you think to yourself well you know he did so well in a couple of these roles why didn't they give him a a shot at a few more and Mm -hmm. to see how he could do because i think he i'm not suggesting he could have been a, a star the star in a dramatic film, but mm-hmm. he certainly played some interesting roles that he could have a, a good shot at it, not just an appearance, mm-hmm. but he could have played, you know, second banana. I mean, he's, he's done it. He's he proved he can do it. And I would just love to have seen him do more of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now I have to ask you, uh, and, and maybe you know a little bit more about this, but uh, Mo was his younger brother. And yet he was, he was always cast as the leader of the three of them. Yes. Why do you think that was? Well, it's interesting. Um, when they started out, they, they did a film. Um, this was uh, when, when Ted Healy was in charge of the group. And the film was uh, Soup to Nuts. And the Stooges, of course, at that time, you know, they, they, weren't, uh, they weren't the Stooges. And um, the, when you look at the film and you look at uh, Shemp, no, and Larry, Shemp seems to be, if, if there's anything uh, you could term as a leader, it would have been Shemp. But that was the, the one time. That was a feature film. And um, after the fact, when, when Shemp left and, and Curly took over from him, it was essentially Mo. It was, he had the look. He had more of a tough guy look. Yes. Um, although, again, people say that so did Shemp. Mm-hmm. And basically, he was, the, he was the leader, he was the, the boss, and when Shemp came back to return, that didn't change. I, I guess they didn't want to fool around with the formula that worked. Yeah. People may have seen Shemp coming back and perhaps taking over as a leader as a bit odd, maybe not out of, you know, sort of out of character. So that's mm-hmm. just, a, just a hypothesis, I think. Yeah, no, it definitely sounds sound. Um, 
what else do we have? Uh, oh, uh, so <laughs> uh, someone had mentioned to me that uh, and and that they had seen. Um, I don't know if it was an article or or one of the things on Wikipedia or something like that that uh, Shemp had actually one of the reasons he he was drafted into uh, World War One. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, he was. And and there was rumors that he didn't stick around because the military didn't want a bedwetter. That that's a rumor, and that's sort of a hotly contested rumor. Okay, um, it seemed I, really odd. <laughs> it's it's it's, it's hard, hard to say. You know, the family says absolutely no way. And other people say, "Oh yes, that that was that was the case." He did get an honorable discharge. Um, that from in, and he also did have a rather large lump on one of his legs at the, down on the down the uh, below the knee, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that was a joke. I mean, he used to use that as a joke, like you know, he could hang his clothes on those things. It was so large, and he used to tell jokes about that. I think it's, it's downplayed. It depends who you talk to. But when he was discharged, and I believe at that point the war had actually was in its finishing stages or it actually had finished. Uh, he was there for, I don't know, several months of training at this, this camp and uh, never had any active duty. But the fact is, you know, he was he was called up. He served for whatever time. And I guess for the rest of um, our existences, we're just going to have to guess. Well, was that true? Uh, was it a bad issue or not? Uh, and I'm not. I'm not going to sort of. Uh, I have the official discharge notice, and oh. that's a that's a strange word to use. I guess in this case, <laughs> yeah. um, and it does not say that. It okay. does say an abnormality. Um, I, I don't have it in front of me. Actually, I, I should do, but it's sort of a physical abnormality, and it's. Okay. it's and uh, so I guess it's up to um, it's up to the individual, whichever yeah. they find more humorous more historically accurate, no, I'll let them make the decision. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, given the fact that, uh, you know, I, I look back, and, and again, when I was a kid watching a lot of shows, I know I was a big fan of uh, of MASH, and, and of course you had always uh, Corporal Klinger <laughs> always trying to get discharged, right, dressing up as a woman and everything. So with someone who was in a comedic position, uh, if, if whether he wanted to be there or not, I mean, it, maybe he even used it as a joke. Oh, they discharged me because they didn't want a bed wet or something. You never know with someone who who's that like a bit of a comical genius, right? Yes, it's it's anything. Anything's up for grabs here, and I I think what I'm when I, at writing the book, I I've touched on it, so to speak, and but I have not come up with a definitive answer. What I've done is I have the discharge notice, and it's going it's in the book in the early sections. And people can read it and say, okay, well, that's what the military said. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll just make up our own minds. Whatever, whatever we find more humorous or more satisfying is the real answer. Yeah. Now, clearly, you're a, a fan of the Stooges, and uh, they probably were quite uh, the influence in your life. Um, but what made you think or, or say, hey, you, you know what would be a great book covering more about Shem Howard? So how, how did that come about? Well, it was actually really simple. Uh, nothing particularly uh, earth-shattering. The fact of the matter is there's never been a book written on Shem, ever. Oh. It, it's never happened. You've had books on, on Larry by his uh, his brother. Mm-hmm. You've had books on Mo by uh, Mo himself and his, and his daughter. You've had books on Curly. You've had books on the Three Stooges, which, of course, includes Shem, mm-hmm. but you never had a book that was focusing on Shem. So I decided to do it, and a publisher down in the States found out, and he had been trying to get someone somewhere, 
preferably, I guess, an American, to write a book on Shemp and found out I was doing it. So got in touch with me and said, would you like a publisher? And you know what the, the printing industry is like these days. That's not mm, that yeah. easy. And I sort of jumped at that. I said, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a company that specializes in, in entertainment books and a lot of um, books that are sort of um, off the beat, off the beaten track, you know, uh, mm-hmm. focusing on people who, like Shemp, sort of flew under the radar, unfortunately. Yeah. There's one really good book out there that is in the, um, that category. It's written by Bill Cassara. It's about Ted Healy, in fact, the man who created the Stooges. Yeah. It's a great book and um, very helpful. He, he's been very helpful chatting with me and straightening out a few things about uh, Ted and also his relationship with Shemp. So, I mean, it was that was it. It was simple. I said, book has never been written. I'd like to be the one to do it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, you kind of finished that off. Um, so we have another question for you, and it would be, if you could cast a remake of The Stooges today, who would be your top three actors to play the characters? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, there, there has been a couple of films done. The uh, Fairly Brothers did one. Mm-hmm. Two of the actors, by the way, in that particular film, 2012, were Canadians. Oh. Um, I'm trying to think. You see, it have to. It depends whether you're looking at the early to later stages. Um, it's 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 difficult. I, I just ah uh, comedic talent. There's there's so many good comedians out there, but I I just. Off the top of my head, I, you know, and this is terrible. You know, this is a question I know you'd love to have an answer. Well, actually, one of the people who played Larry in the Fairly Brothers Stooges is uh, one of the actors on um, that show. Oh, it's Thursday nights, uh, starring another Canadian, Eric Eric McCormick. What's that called? What's the show called? Oh, oh this is terrible. Uh, I should have this right yeah, in front I know, of me. I know the I, one you're talking about. I just. Uh... Uh, Thursday nights, NBC nine nine thirty in the evening. Yeah, uh, he's he's gay, and the girl, the woman he's living with, is not. Uh, Nick, uh, oh Grace, Grace, Will and Grace, Will and Grace. Yeah, uh, the the guy who plays the neighbor, he oh, actually, okay. yeah, he played Larry in the Fairly Brothers film. He did a good job of really? it. Really, I didn't know that. Um, hmm. I think, quite frankly, the, the both of the other two, again, both Canadians, and because I don't. Because I have all my shamp material with me, and I don't have that with me, yeah. I can't recall their names. I think they did credible uh, job okay. of, um, of playing uh, uh, Mo and, and Curly. And it's hard to say at this point, looking at the comedians out there. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. sure there'd be lots of stand-up comics who who would take a crack at it, who do a good job of it. For sure. Um, you know, I mean, it, I, I, with uh, with Gilbert Gottfried, I mean, you know, I mean, and not only that, Gilbert Gottfried actually is, is about the right height. Yeah. He's he's a fairly short gent, mm-hmm. and he's extremely funny. I mean, when I talked to him about the Stooges, it was like I, I got a free show on the telephone. It was wonderful. <laughs> but he, and he knows his stuff, so, you know, uh, Gilbert, he'd be great. I think he'd be a great champ. Okay. You know, give, him, give him a strange hairdo. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, you, you got me with a good question there, and I, I, I must admit I'm a bit stumped. Uh, I'm okay with the Larry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Shemp could have been played by um, Gilbert Gottfried. Okay. Um, and just you know, throw throw, in, throw a net out there and see how many comics you catch. Yeah. Um, I would almost like to see it go to people who aren't necessarily really, really well known. 
Okay, yeah. I almost think that's the best way Could to be do it. be a good it. break for some of them to be able to pull off some older yeah. characters like that, yeah. And if they can really pull it off, then, you know, that's, that's tremendous. Go yeah, for it. For sure. All right, so we got a, another uh, question, and it would be, who is your favorite stooge? It's almost a tie, but I'm going to put Shemp in front and Larry right behind. Okay, right on. Uh, for, for different reasons. I mean, you know, Shemp was just different. Yep. You know, I, I love I like them all. I mean, you know, I, I, I just think that any comedy trio or comedy act that is still popular almost a hundred years after it was created. Mm-hmm. We yeah. gotta be doing something right. And I mean, you know, everyone has their favorites, but for me, Shemp by a whisker and Larry very, very close second. For sure. I, I liked how um, both Shemp and uh, Curly had that kind of a, where, where, where Curly had the whoop, whoop, whoop kind of, uh, Shemp had kind of the BBB sound they used to do all the time when they, yep. with that, that kind of funny stutter they would do. Yeah. And, yeah. and another thing, too, one of the reasons I admire Shemp so much is he knew right from the start, okay, Shemp, or uh, Curly, my younger brother, is. He's like a force of nature. I mean, you know, people loved him. He was clearly the most popular. So the best thing to do right off the top is do not try to imitate Curly in any fashion. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. He brought his own style of humor, his own mannerisms, and as you pointed out, his own E-B-B-B-B. Yeah. Um, and it worked. Yep. I mean, you know, people may have at first said, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to see Curly again. And true, it'd be nice to see <laughs> see them alternating would have been nice. Yeah. Or, or even bring in a fourth stooge, right? And, and yeah. It I mean, nice. I just think, um, you know, Shemp was smart. The way he approached the role, I think he did it the right way. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone could possibly have said, oh, he's just doing a cheap, curly imitation. Absolutely not. Not a chance. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, so we're going to jump into the, uh, the second half of our show, and we're going to do the rapid-fire questions. Rapid fire questions. Okay. Perfect. So, for listeners just tuning in, rapid fire questions, we are going to ask Jeff 20 quick questions, and he just has to tell us the first thing that comes to his mind as fast as he can. And here we go. Favorite movie of all time? Oh, Wizard of Oz. Uh, Favorite moment in life? In life? Yeah. Oh, um, playing the guitar. Uh, favorite food? Food. Uh, all vegetables. Okay. Favorite book? Oh, um, Exodus. Hmm. Uh, Marvel or DC fan? Um, Marvel. Okay. Favorite song from the last year or in the past year? Oh, in the past year. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, being a big Beatles fan, I guess I better pass on that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, favorite comedian? Favorite comedian? Oh, Sham Howard. Uh, beer, scotch, or wine? Wine. Uh, PC or Mac? Um, Mac. Uh, favorite place to visit? My home, home country, England. All right. Uh, Putin or fish and chips? Fish and chips. Uh, Three Stooges or Abbott and Costello? Three Stooges. Uh, Metallica or ACDC? ACDC. Handshake or fist bump? Handshake. Weirdest secret talent? Weirdest secret talent. I can flap my hands back and forth. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Do you prefer classic paper book or electronic versions? 
classic paper book. Uh, have you ever peed on something public? Peed on something public? Yep. Snow. Okay, yep. <laughs> uh, your worst fear? Oh, uh, dying. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, boxers or briefs? Um, boxers. Okay. And the favorite podcast you've been on the last 12 hours? This one. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so we have one last question for you, and that is from our past guest, uh, Merced Solis, also known as Tito Santana from the WWF. His, oh, I loved him. Yeah. His question for you is, what is the easiest way to get a good deal on a new car? Oh, take my brother-in-law because he's an expert on uh, cars and he'd make sure I got the best deal. There you go. Find a good brother-in-law. <laughs> oh, I know. I've got one. Yeah, <laughs> that's excellent. Or we just call up Jeff and ask his brother-in-law to come along. <laughs> Maybe, I wonder if Tito was looking for a new car at the time. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. He was, he was a great guy. Tito was one of my favorites. I, by the way, I used to be, or pretty much still was, a, a wrestling fan. So. Oh, fantastic. So that actually worked out really well. I articles for wrestling magazines. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, you know, we had him on the show, and uh, it was wonderful because, um, I mean, for me, the WWF with the Hulk Hogan era and Tito Santana was the best in wrestling. I mean, I found that performance were great. Uh, the the storylines about who didn't like who, and it was it was just really fun. I had lunch with Doink the Clown once. Oh, really? <laughs> I had uh, a coworker who sat next to Andre the Giant in an airport and chatted with him for three hours while they waited for a plane. I understand. He was a very nice fellow, actually. Yeah, she said he was a gem. Like, honestly, she didn't wish her plane had come because she was having such a good time talking with him. Wonderful. That's a good memory. So uh, this is a great time if you'd like to pitch any social media or how people can check out your books. Well, um, social media, I'm, I'm fairly limited on that. I do post regularly on Facebook. I don't have a business page on Facebook, which I may have soon. Um... I do tweet occasionally, but not as much as Donald Trump, obviously. Um, <laughs> I'm sure your book, tweets are more accurate, though. Um, yes, I, I certainly hope so. <laughs> uh, what would, do you know what your... The book your... isn't out yet, but okay. um, when, it, when it is out, I mean, I will be sort of broadcasting that here, there, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. And also, the site to go to is the Bear Manor Media um, website, which is, um, that's my publisher. And okay. Bear is in B-E-A-R, Manor, M-A-N-O-R, and Media. Okay, perfect. Uh, if people were to try to look you up on Facebook or social media, are you just under uh, as uh, Jeff Dale? Yes. Okay, yeah, and that is the G- G-E-O-F-F. Uh, born in London, England, so it's the English way. Yep. Yep, for sure. Uh, wonderful. And uh, now, if anybody wanted to pick up uh, your, your past uh, uh, book, um, where uh, the um, No Stooge in a Ring? Uh, go to Amazon. Amazon. Uh, unfortunately, it was self-published, so it's rather expensive to do printing on your own, so Amazon's the place to get it. Wonderful. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us on the show and uh, talking about Champ Howard. It's uh, always enjoyable for me as I was a fan as a child, and uh, I uh, hopefully have a, you know hear more from you at some point. We'd like to reconnect and uh, see how book sales are going when, when it's out. That would be great. I'd be delighted. It's been a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, and, and have yourself a wonderful night. Okay. Thank you, and goodbye. Take care. So this is a good time for us to pitch our social media. You could get us on our website, thefap.ca. 
on uh, Twitter is the Fab Four. You can get us on Instagram. Is the Fab Podcast. Don't forget our Facebook. The Freaking Awesome Podcast. And uh, you can always reach out via email. The Fab Podcast at gmail.com. I'm on the air. We on the air. We got this podcast. Ah, uh, uh, not again. Wicked sweet. <laughs>